sermon, we've been working our way through uh, reading the Acts of the Apostles. And some suggest that this name of, for this book, the Acts of the Apostles, perhaps is not the best name for it, because it would be better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. This story is less about one specific group of people or one character, but it's about the character of the Holy Spirit. And we can contrast it with the Gospels in which we follow basically the same cast of characters, right? We have Jesus, we have his disciples, his friends, family, his adversaries, and they stay consistent pretty much throughout those stories. But we move into the Acts of the Apostles, and suddenly every chapter we are encountering a new person, a new convert, a new leader. The character, really, the main character is the Holy Spirit. And so from the moment that the tomb is found empty, the story about the people of God becomes about one question. And that question is, who is the church? Who are the church's leaders? And who makes up the church's community? And early on, it becomes clear that because this movement is spreading so quickly, the leadership is going to have to be shared amongst more than just the disciples. And so uh, we have Stephen and Philip becoming evangelists and, and sharers of the gospel. And then, of course, Paul, a very unlikely evangelist, who at first was so against the Christians. And so, too, the groups of people that hear this important message also begins to expand further and further from the original Judean crowds. There we read about Samaritans who hear the good news of Christ, an Ethiopian, and now in chapters 10 and 11 in the Acts of the Apostles, we just read chapter 11 today, we hear the most surprising convert of all so far in the story, Gentiles. Notice that no matter what part and who the characters are, though, the main character is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that leads Peter to Cornelius, the Gentile with whom he eats in today's story. And it's the Spirit that overcomes Cornelius and his Gentile friends, and that leads them to baptism. This story is all about the action of God through the Holy Spirit. The action of God reaching out and crossing barriers. And all the people in this story have to do is keep from getting in God's way. What does Peter say when he finishes telling his friends and colleagues in Jerusalem this amazing and unlikely story about how he ended up at a Gentile's house eating non-kosher food and welcoming them in to the community of Christian believers? Peter says, who was I to hinder God? Who was I to get in God's way? And his friends, those who were at first were repulsed by the idea that Peter would eat with Gentiles, they're struck silent. They say in amazement that God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Even repentance isn't something that people do, but it is a gift that God gives something that God does for people, and one that he intends to give to everyone without exception. Peter simply allows God's action to unfold. And I can't help but ask myself, I wonder if I do the same. 
or if I would do the same. If the, if the Holy Spirit granted me a vision like Peter's, this crazy vision of a sheet coming down, would I even recognize this vision as being from God? And then would I have the guts to stop whatever I was doing, leave my comfortable, familiar place, and go with strangers to another stranger's house to have a meal with them? Would my attitude, like Peter, be, who am I to get in God's way? Or would I say something else instead? If I'm honest with myself, it's more likely that my immediate response would go something like, is this really how you want me to spend my time, God? I was praying, which I already don't do enough of, and you really want me to stop what I was doing, go off and meet and have a meal with someone I don't know, and then baptize them. That's not the way we usually do it at St. John's Church. And even if I said yes to this, God, I need a little more notice than you're giving me. After all, aren't I too busy to do this right now? I'm too busy. If I were to pick one phrase to describe the ethos of our lives here in Washington, I'd pick, I'm busy trying to find ways, I'm so busy trying to find ways to juggle my own ministry, to juggle my first year of marriage, to find a way to even get the laundry done every week. Sometimes, though, I wonder if saying that I'm busy is a wall that I put up, both for myself and for others, a wall that in fact becomes a hindrance to the boundary-breaking relationship-forming, creative action of God through the Holy Spirit. I say, I'm busy, and it makes you want to keep from bothering me. Or you say, I'm busy, and I want to keep from bothering you. I don't want to mess with your busy schedule. When we say we're busy, that means we can't fit anything more, obviously, into our already full schedules. But I wonder if the Holy Spirit is nudging us, pushing us to go do something new, to begin a new relationship, to step outside our comfort zone. But since we're just too busy, well, sorry, Holy Spirit, maybe try again next year. So I'm going to try a new phrase with you all this morning. I'm not too busy. I'm not too busy to have lunch with you. I'm not too busy to get to know you and your families. I'm not too busy to hear your stories, to listen how God might be wanting to act through you. In fact, I would love it if you would invite me to your home for dinner. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not that busy. <laughs> And what if you join me in saying, I'm not that busy? I'm not suggesting that we deny the reality of our very full schedules, but I wonder what would happen if we dismantled what I think has become a defense mechanism, perhaps, of busyness. I wonder if we might discover that there is indeed time and space to make room at the table for someone or something new. After all, all we have to do is get out of the way 
for God's work to be done. Our story reminds us today that God acts. God crosses barriers. God works through the Holy Spirit. When we get out of the way and allow God to act through us, perhaps we'll find that we find the exact opposite of busyness. Maybe we'll find freedom. Even if technically we're doing more, we find freedom and perhaps even rest as God works through us. So let's let the Holy Spirit guide us and invite someone, anyone, to our tables. Today, after church, I invite someone new to sit with you at the parish lunch. Parents, get a group of your fellow parents together and invite them for dinner. Spend a day eating and cooking with the homeless in our city and some of the many outreach ministries that are available here at St. John's. You don't have to wait for us here at St. John's to create some kind of program or some kind of opportunity for you to invite others. Because notice that Peter didn't have to stop. He didn't stop and ask permission from his fellow Christians in Jerusalem before he went and ate with the Gentiles. Peter simply went where the Spirit led him. And when he told his colleagues about what had happened, they were amazed and they rejoiced and praised God with him. Church is nothing more and nothing less than a community gathered around a table. We gather around this table, the altar, for a symbolic meal of bread and wine. The Eucharist is a place where we find strength and energy and courage to gather around real tables, real in real homes, in real dining rooms, in real restaurants, wherever it is that people go to eat, where real community is created, and people talk and share and come to know each other by cooking for each other and telling stories. Our community begins around the altar, but it is not completed until the Holy Spirit brings us together. People who would otherwise have no reason to know each other or interact with each other. The Spirit breaks down the barriers that divide us. God wants to act through the Holy Spirit in each of us. I'm not too busy for that. Are you?